Welcome. For those of you joining online, you could be anywhere, all of you online, you could be anywhere this morning, but you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. As Amanda said, my name's Emily Alexander. I'm one of the worship pastors at Eagle Brook Church, and my husband, John, and I love to be in and among this community. You're so welcoming and kind. Even in the back, I had several people ask me how I'm doing, if they can get me water or a breath mint. Should I be concerned? I I don't know, but it was just so kind. Uh, Jeremiah always welcoming people and other voices like me into this community, so I'm really grateful to be here this morning. Also, I cannot not say Happy Mother's Day. I know that it's been said a few times, but Happy Mother's Day to those of you in this room, watching online, mothers, grandmothers, uh, people who are caring for our children. Happy day to you. And uh, I have a mother. She's a fiery Italian woman um, who taught me the gift of hospitality. She's always down for a party. So my house was always filled with lots of people and I just love that. I love a lot of people, so this is great. Um, And I love being a mom. I have two kids and uh, I don't say that lightly. Uh, I don't take it for granted either because I know that this day can also be really painful uh, for some. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you um, grew up without a mom. You lost your own mother at a young age, so Mother's Day is always so painful while everyone else is celebrating. You're hurting. Uh, Maybe you just recently lost your mom, and uh, so maybe this is the first or second year without her. I just want you to know that I see you, I acknowledge you, and uh, my commitment to you is that I don't take for granted the days that I have with my kids and uh, the responsibility it is to love them well, okay? Um, You're in a series called Creed, where you're studying and breaking down the Apostles' Creed. And and to put it simply, the Apostles' Creed is an ancient text. It's not scripture, uh, but it is rather a statement of faith. And even though it's not scripture, it is absolutely reflective of the foundational truths of scripture. Growing up, I I grew up in a traditional church where we would often say and recite these statements of faith or prayers. And, And I remember we would get to that point in the service and it was always so boring because we would talk like this and we would recite these prayers like this and we all paused at the same time and said these statements at the same time and you just lost me. I had no idea what these moments were for. And fast forward to my first ministry, one of my first ministry jobs, and I was 23 years old and I was sitting in the lunchroom. And, and you know, when you're that age, you're, you're wanting to impress. You're wanting people to know how smart you are and how you've got it all figured out. And, and so we're talking about our upbringing, our traditional upbringings. And we started to talk about the Apostles' Creed. And, and I said something very smart. I said, I know, boring, right? <laughs> and my friend and, and, and colleague, Mike, who is a pastor that I looked up to, he said, boring? He said, do you not believe the words that you're reading? 
and in you know, sheer shame and embarrassment, I go back to my computer and I Google the Apostles' Creed and I, I read the words for what felt like the first time I've ever read these words before. And it turns out they're quite foundational to my faith. And so I wanna read these words uh, to you. Follow along with me, here's what it says. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. I believe all of that. And as a kid, what I missed was that it's actually quite foundational to who I am as a Christ follower. And so this series is so important because the intention is for us not to miss how special and important these words are to our own faith and our own followership of Jesus. And the phrase that we're gonna hone in on this morning, Amanda said it, is I believe in the Holy Spirit. And in this message, I hope to answer the question of who. Who is the Holy Spirit and what is his role in our lives? And let me also caveat this by saying, what I preach today will be but a small sliver of the complexities of the Holy Spirit. Author Francis Chan, who wrote the book Forgotten God, uh, which he's referring to the forgotten God um, as the Holy Spirit. Often we forget about the Holy Spirit. This, this is what he says about that. He says, know that even as you seek to understand the Spirit more, he is so much more. He is bigger than you and I will ever be able to grasp. As we approach this conversation, let us not forget that we tread on holy ground. Amen. In other words, there's mystery and complexity and always more to be learned about the Holy Spirit. But here's what we do know. What we do know is that the Holy Spirit is God. It's important. The Holy Spirit is God. We see the Spirit present in our history from the very beginning of creation. Let's look at it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Spirit of God has been here all along. This is an incredible relationship. It involves three distinct persons of God. Let me explain. We have God the Father, God the Father who created all things, Jesus the Son who restores all things, and the Holy Spirit who helps correct and convict and bring life to all things. We refer to this relationship as the Trinity, God who is three in one. Now, I want to take it a step further because I want to put us in that story. Where do we find ourselves in that? And, and, and we are humankind. You didn't show up here this morning to learn that. We are humankind who, in a sense, messed up all things, okay? We call that 
the fall, where sin enters the world, and God's people spend years trying to make it right with God again and again and again, but the Holy Spirit is present, right? The Holy Spirit is displayed throughout those stories in the Old Testament, and then, after hundreds of years of waiting and hoping for the Messiah, God sends his son, Jesus. Now, it wasn't that long ago that we celebrated Easter, Easter is a time of remembering, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. He defeats death and reveals his presence to the very people he told he would, and then he ascends back into heaven to be with the Father. But before he goes through all that, he lets his disciples, his friends, in on this great plan. He tells them that he will die He will be brought back to life, and then he will ascend again into heaven. And all the while, they're like, what? Like, you come, and then you go, and then you come again, and then you go again. Now, I want to show you what Jesus says to his disciples, because this is where he talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Holy Spirit as the new access to God. In his absence, here's the new access to God. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me, God. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you, that I'm leaving But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Now here's where God's plan of redemption and restoration gets really cool. Because God's intent all along was for Jesus to leave the earth. But his intent was never to leave us alone. Insert the advocate, the Holy Spirit, May he not be the forgotten God that Francis Chan cautions us, but may he be ever present in our lives every single day, just as we see God intended it from the beginning of time, always with us, always present. Um, It's important to say that we don't always sense the Holy Spirit. Do you have someone in your life that that they seem to always have a sense of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said this, or I felt the Spirit convicting me like this. And you're thinking, I don't don't have that. I don't know what that feels like. It's important for you to know that I understand that. That feeling of where is the Holy Spirit and how is he moving and working in our daily lives. And so the question I wanna ask today is just that. What role does the Holy Spirit have in our daily lives? And how do we gain a greater awareness or have the confidence that the Spirit is actually active and moving in our daily lives? And to answer this question, I want to give you three ways. I want to unpack three ways that the Holy Spirit works and moves in our lives. And my hope is that as we unpack those things, you begin to have a greater awareness of how the Spirit moves in your daily lives, okay? You still with me? Here we go. The first way the Holy Spirit works in our lives is he convicts, he convicts. You know that feeling that you get sometimes of right and wrong, you know? That this doesn't seem right. This seems kind of wrong. Where does that come from? 
When I was in high school, I was 16 years old, and I got a call on the landline from my uh, friend Rob. Rob and I had grown up together um, from kindergarten. Our moms were best friends, and he calls, calls me up, and he says, Emily, I'm like two minutes from your house. Just jump in the car. I'm like, great, spontaneity. I love spontaneity. I'm there. And I hop in the car, and I see that there's about three other friends in the car with us. So now I'm like, spontaneity, and it's going to be adventurous. Like, let's do this. Well, we drive out of the cul-de-sac of my house, and we start going about 20 miles down the road on my residential street. And instead of thinking like, wow, I chose my friends right. They're so responsible, and they're driving 10 miles under the speed limit. No. I was like, something is wrong. (laughs) Something's up. And pretty soon we start barreling towards the garbage cans at the end of every single driveway that are full of garbage. Garbage just piling into the streets of my residential neighborhood. And I'm like, this is how it ends for me. You know, like the cops, surely someone's going to find out about this. And we're going to get arrested and I will die in jail. Well, we didn't get caught. They dropped me back off at my home. I walked into my house, said goodnight to my parents, and went to bed. But I knew that something was wrong. I knew very quickly this was not an adventure. This was going to go horribly wrong. We all have moments like that. Moments where we feel like this doesn't feel right. I think that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit gives us a sense of right and wrong. I was listening to a sermon by a pastor the other day who was talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said. He said, before you come into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is outside of you working on you. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus, when you receive Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit is inside you, working in you. And I would add, and through you, through your life. I love that statement. Essentially what he's saying is that even before we have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. We saw that, right, already. That the Holy Spirit has been present since the very beginning. And Jesus himself addresses this way of conviction that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. He's speaking to his disciples. Again, he says this. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus is saying that God uses the conviction of the Holy Spirit to teach and remind them of the things that Jesus himself has taught them. And the same is true for us today. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. God is using the conviction of the Holy Spirit to draw people to him even today. I told you the Holy Spirit brings life to all things. Where once the disciples walked along with Jesus as he taught them as he gave them a new way to live, to interact with God, how to forgive, how to heal. Now Jesus says, I'm gonna go 
but I leave with you the advocate. Another translation says comforter. I leave you the advocate who will bring new creation to himself through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, I always tell my kids, I have this little mantra that I tell my kids that I hope as they get older sticks with them when it counts. And it's, it's this, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And I think that's true for us today as adults. I think every day the Spirit is convicting us in our behavior, in our thoughts, in our decision-making. But the beautiful thing about God, and maybe you've never heard this before, but the beautiful thing about God is He allows us to deny Him. Do you know that? He's never pushed Himself on us, no. He allows us to to deny Him. We don't have to listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but if I can say, I think there are consequences to that. Maybe infidelity, a severed relationship with our kids. Maybe it's getting let go from a job because you did something you shouldn't or choosing the wrong path that changed your whole life. All the while the spirit is walking alongside us saying, don't do that. Don't send that text. Mom, stay calm, (laughs) dad. Stay calm, don't fudge that number, don't take that. What is the thing that you are being convicted with today? What is the thing that you deny every day? What if that was the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention? If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. When we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, where we allow him to lead our lives forward, the Holy Spirit begins to do that work in our lives. It works in our careers, works in our marriages, our relationships, and our parenting because we are more aware of the Spirit convicting us. And boy, do we need that. Just yesterday, my daughter Marley, she's six. It was just one of those days where She just wanted my attention all day long. Anybody feel that? (laughs) And, And I don't know about you, but those are hard days for me. You know, I admit I don't love imaginative play. I don't love, thank God you're with me. Um, but, But yesterday she wanted to jump on the trampoline. And it was like all day. And there are implications to an adult jumping on a trampoline. And she just wanted to all day long. And and truly, genuinely, I just kept thinking, calm down, be patient. You won't have this time again. You know, the things that I, in my desire to not do, the Spirit of God is saying, Just stay in this. I need that. I need that. Which brings us to the next way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and that is that he equips us. The equipping of the Holy Spirit is exactly what happened yesterday. Stay calm. Just do it. He gives me the tools to be able to be a good mom. You know, when you become a follower of Jesus, you are given uh, what the Lord calls spiritual gifts. 
And these spiritual gifts are meant to be used for the kingdom of God. Now, does this mean when you say yes to a relationship with God, all of a sudden he's gonna call you to be a pastor who has to speak in front of people? No. And some of you are like, thank God. You know, you're still with me on that. No, instead, he says, I want you to use these spiritual gifts in my kingdom, and they look different for different people. I wanna look at a verse that talks about some of these spiritual gifts. Here's what it says. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. I'm trying. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. The writer of this letter to the Romans is a man named Paul who's on a missionary journey of sorts, which means that he's traveling and speaking or writing letters to these various churches that are popping up in the faith, that are beginning to follow Jesus. And he's teaching them all sorts of new things and he, he's teaching them about spiritual gifts. We see him teach about them again and again to various churches. And, and I wanna show you another verse. Another verse where he's speaking to a different church in the city of Corinth. Here's what he says. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does this work in all of us. Later on in the text, he talks about as a people of God, we are one body, maybe you've heard this, made up of many parts. What we must do is find and play our part in the body of Christ. Here's what I believe about those spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts are meant to be shared. They're meant to be celebrated amongst each other and used to tell non-believers about the transformational power of Jesus. You know, before Jesus died, he is sitting at a table with those disciples and he says, when I go, I leave you the Holy Spirit. And then he instructs us to go. He instructs them to go and tell others about this transformational power of Jesus. So if you're the one Christian in your workplace or your school or your family, use the spiritual gifts that you have, the gift of leadership, hospitality or teaching or encouragement to talk about your faith. What if, what if you did that? Or invited someone to join you at church, that could be a day where they begin a relationship with Jesus. You may feel underqualified, I do, I'm a pastor. I would never invite my neighbor, that's what you think, I've thought that. I would never invite my neighbor to church, I'm never gonna invite that coworker to church, no way. But maybe this is the spirit convicting you and me because may we lay down our pride. Or for me, I have such a fear of embarrassment 
in inviting someone to church or talking about my faith. May I lay that down for the sake of discipleship. Because what Jesus promises his disciples and what he promises us is that he will be with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit equips you to do the work that Jesus did when he walked the earth some 2,000 years ago. You don't need to be a pastor to help a person who's in need of faith, in need of hope. No, you just need the Holy Spirit equipping you in your gifts, building you up in the body of Christ. The last way, uh, among many, that the Holy Spirit works in our lives is that he comforts, he comforts. You don't need to raise your hands, uh, but how many of you are here today in need of comfort? How many of you are watching online in need of comfort. We experience seasons where we have such a deep need for it. And other seasons where we don't know or we don't get the sense that we need the Holy Spirit's comfort, but we desire it. That desire for comfort is in us all. I have a, a friend, someone that I'm mentoring. Uh, her name's Maggie. She's 16 years old and, and she just recently lost her dad in October of 2021. And uh, she reached out to me um, to talk about it. She said, I'd love to talk about that. And I thought, well, she wants to talk to me. She, she wants to talk to me and she's seeking comfort. Lord, give me the words to say that will be just the right words. But instead, as I sat across from Maggie, she actually wanted to tell me about the, what the Lord has been doing in her life in the loss of her dad couldn't believe it. Here she was talking to me about how God has been comforting her. She could sense the Spirit's comfort in her life. I could not believe it. The 16-year-old preaching to me through an unimaginable circumstance reminding me that I too can trust in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If you were to open your Bibles to the book of John, the book of John is one of the four gospels that make up the beginning of the New Testament. And if you were to turn to chapters 14, 15, and 16, what you'd find is Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples as the one who would bring comfort to them in his absence. Here's just one of those verses. Verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, another advocate who will never leave you. I told you this before, but another translation literally says comforter. I will leave you a comforter in my place. Why? Why does Jesus leave us the Holy Spirit? Because he talks about us being the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. When we give our lives over to faith, the Spirit dwells in us and is with us in all things. Where Jesus once walked with his disciples, do you remember? He is now seated at the right hand of the Father and we have access to the Spirit that is dwelling in them and is dwelling in us too. Now I wanna close uh, with words from that book I mentioned earlier, The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. 
because he gives language to the massive gift that it is to have the Spirit dwelling in us. And I think it best describes the Holy Spirit's role as comforter. It's a little long, uh, but stick with me. Lean in just a little bit uh, as we close. Here's what it says. It says, part of his answer, part of Jesus' answer to how they, the disciples, have peace and be comforted is through the provision of the Holy Spirit, the other counselor who he promised would come once he left. The Spirit would actually enter their human bodies. You've probably heard this truth a hundred times, but have you marveled at it? This is not a distant, loose connection. This is the Spirit of God choosing you and me to be his dwelling place. I might wake up on a particular day feeling physically tired or stressed or impatient, and humanly speaking, those things would probably define my day. But the reality is that I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And because of this reality, stress and tiredness and impatience don't have to define my day. If you have received by faith the promise of the Holy Spirit, you are his temple as you drive your children to school, as you go to work every day, as you embark on a new unknown season, as you go to school, as you face tragedy and pain, as you buy groceries, as you make decisions, as your daughter makes you jump on a trampoline, as you live your life, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. Please don't let this reality slip past you like an interesting piece of trivia that might catch your attention for a minute, but that you'll never take the time to really investigate. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not a person living your life by human power. The Spirit of God is in you. That is why Jesus said it was better for him to go and the Spirit to come. Don't walk away from this. Let it impact you deeply, first internally, and then outwardly. You are never alone. God is with you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Access to this kind of comfort is today. It is now. It's always, whenever you need it. The disciples needed it. They grieved Jesus leaving them. But he says, I have to go because I leave you the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. But don't just learn it. Francis, Francis Chan says, live it, live it. Live with the knowledge that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He convicts, he equips, and he comforts. Now I'm happy to stick around after the service, um, just be down front, to talk to anybody who might have some questions about what you heard today. Be happy to pray with you, for you. Uh, or maybe you're someone who has never given your life to Jesus and maybe the Spirit is working on you and has been working in you and I'm happy to talk to you about that too. But I'm gonna pray for us, Westbridge. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. What a day you made. A day that you have us in, a day, Lord, that I want to be more aware of how you're moving in my life. 
May we be people that seek to know you more and by seeking to know you more, have a greater awareness of how you are moving in our daily lives. We need you in it all, in the things that feel mundane, in the things that feel full of joy, and in the things that feel really hard. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Be with us, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice of the cross. Thank you for loving us like you do. That we don't have to be perfect in your presence. Instead, you tell us to come just as we are. So here we are in all of our imperfections, Jesus. May we be people that look a little bit more like you as we leave today, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We lift up your name, amen, amen. My friends, thank you for having me today.